0: Hello, this is Jeff Otis, partner at Evergreen, and you're listening to Coffee with Evergreen on the Evergreen Exchange. I hope you enjoy this 10-minute conversation between myself and fellow partner and Evergreen Investment Committee member, Jeff Yulberg. And as always, thanks for listening. Hey, listener, this episode requires an extra disclosure. All views and opinions expressed by any guest of the podcast are solely the individual's views and do not necessarily reflect the views of Evergreen GovCal. Evergreen GovCal's clients may hold securities mentioned in this podcast at any given time. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions or be considered investment advice. Enjoy the episode. All right. Nice. We got Jeff Yulberg back, fellow partner and investment committee member. And Jeff, welcome back to
1: the podcast. Thanks for having me. Good
0: to be here. What a crazy couple of weeks here to start 2022. Uh, you know, I know we were expecting some volatility, but it was like bang, here we go, right out of the gates. And um, excited to have you on. So we're getting a lot of questions. Obviously, the you know market volatility right now is on everyone's mind. Um, so, what are your thoughts on just the you know early market correction here to start start off the year?
1: Yeah, as you mentioned, it wasn't something that we didn't forecast. I mean, I think it's definitely was one of the first things we mentioned in any review we did with clients or uh, any of the other pieces you've seen. Jeff's chart book really set that tone that we thought there'd be much more volatility this year. Uh, A lot of that was basically just following on what we saw the end of last year. And maybe the markets didn't show a lot of volatility, but there was certainly a change. The Fed became more hawkish, was speaking in more hawkish manners, and it was inevitable that they were setting up for an earlier rate rise than I think the market was anticipating maybe in September or October. So just looking out to this year, I think that was exactly what we thought would happen. We hadn't seen big corrections at all really for the last 18 months since the, you know, March pandemic lows. Um, So we definitely were prepared for more volatility. We didn't go back to a super defensive positioning like we did prior to the pandemic. Uh, We did raise some cash. We adjusted asset allocations. uh, But at this point, you know, we do think that we're going to get a reopening and and that this could be short-lived. I think the the thing that maybe amplified this in January is some of the the geopolitical headwinds that we're now seeing with Russia and Ukraine. And anytime you have those types of issues, the market does get scared and there's a, a safe haven trade so I think there's been some of that, especially over the last week or so. You've seen a 10-year move from uh, 1.88% back down to one75 or so, and now back up a little bit. But we'll see how it, it plays out. Certainly not, um, like I said, something that was unexpected, and, and I think we were prepared for it. And we, we did our best to prepare clients for it as well.
0: Yeah, I do laugh a little bit because we have been having these conversations for the last two or three or four months, just, you know, saying that, yes, it's been an incredible run in markets, um, but we were anticipating volatility ahead. Uh, I've been telling clients, you know, would just expect a choppy, uh, not necessarily a negative, but a, a fairly choppy 2022, which to be fair, actually does give us a lot of opportunity, right? I mean, uh, we do like volatility so, from our end so that we can get cash to work. Uh, there's there's companies that we're tracking that we really like, but want to get a more favorable, uh, favorable entry point on. So, um, exactly. No, valuations
1: think- valuations certainly got out of control. I think we wrote that plenty as well. We started to really change from being more focused on growth investments to more value. Really, I'd say for the last, gosh, 12 months as well. Um, and that, that trade has worked out. And I think you've just seen kind of the continuation of that. It really started last February and it went to about April and May. Value significantly outperformed growth, if you remember back last year. And then right. growth did well over the summer and caught back up. And then just recently again, I would say we were just looking at the numbers before we got on here. And it looks like value is outperforming growth by about 15%. But if you look over the last 10 years, five years, growth has significantly outperformed value. And the valuations really show that. So I think there could be room more in that trade. But uh, we'd be lying if we weren't looking at some of these growth names and saying, okay, should we be buying into that? Uh, I think the one thing to really highlight is that we we don't feel like we're on the edge of a recession. Again, the Fed is just now starting to raise rates. Uh, I think if it was really to Um, amplify this correction and to get a a real true bear market, I think we would need to be much closer to a recession. Right now, we are still very much, as we said in the past, in in the inflationary boom camp. We think we're going to get a reopening. That'll really help the economy. uh, To be quite honest, we're looking at inflation numbers, and they're going to be coming off uh, some pretty difficult or challenging numbers from last year. So, that data could actually improve. Um, So, you know, at this point, we're not Overly concerned. I would say that we are using it for exactly what you just said. It is more of a buying opportunity.
0: So yeah, I guess what could make this market turn around in the near term?
1: So I just mentioned one. I think I think you could start getting some some positive inflation numbers. When David, you say right that, about, what
0: do you mean by that? When you say getting some positive inflation numbers, like explain.
1: We won't see seven percent inflation year over year. I mean, I think that now the comps are much higher. So the the, the price increases from last year are going to be baked into those numbers. So I don't think we'll have those those jaw-dropping inflation numbers here as we look out to the end of this quarter and second quarter, uh, I think Dave actually thinks that could be a good opportunity or kind of misleading because the comps are so high that it will look like everything's okay on the inflationary front. And then by the end of next year or later going into 2023, we could start having another inflationary spike. In the near term, I think that is something that could give the market a little bit of peace of mind. They'll see that inflation isn't going to be at 7% every single month going forward and, and that'll give them some some comfort, I would say, because that's certainly something that the market is fighting right now. Uh, and then the other thing could be earnings. I mean, earnings have really saved this market several times over the last five years. Uh, really strong earnings that justify, say, did the last year, justify higher valuations. This pullback has made valuations a bit more attractive, but they're still high. So you're going to need solid earnings. Uh, I saw that Microsoft reported today, and they beat on top and bottom, uh, but the, the stock was down 5%. Um, so we could also be going into one of those weird phases where good news is bad news, because that just means that the Fed's going to tighten more. Uh, and then actually bad news becomes good news if there's something in Russia, because then now the Fed says, OK, we're going to we're going to ease and we're not going to be as hawkish as we thought. So it's I think we're in one of those weird periods. You know, the Fed is starting to raise rates and that's kind of what you're fighting here. And and we'll see how it goes. But ultimately, I do think the the economy could be something that is strong this year. We really haven't had that re- reopening Omicron has spread the virus more prevalently, and maybe this could be the final kind of stand and and we'll see and and kind of get to a more normalized economy, too.
0: So in terms of areas that we're looking at, what areas do you think currently like maybe offer the most opportunity or that we find the most attractive?
1: Yeah, so this, I guess, is, is sort of difficult to answer because, as I said, in the near term, we're still kind of neutral between growth and value. Uh, over the last 12 months, that we would have been adding to value much more than growth. We weren't adding a lot of growth for new accounts because we thought this opportunity was going to happen, or this could potentially happen. Uh, now, I would say we're more balanced. So if we have a client that you know has a public market uh, equity allocation, we will probably add some growth and value. So I do still think there's some really great opportunities on the, the value side. I was talking to Jeff Dix again and, and looking at some even dividend-paying um, stocks, Uh, into income portfolios to get good cash flow. We think that could be a really good opportunity at this point in time. Uh, Some of the other areas that I think are attractive beyond just overall value, uh, I think some technology stocks are starting to get into attractive areas. There's some some tech stocks that I think have really great long-term potential they're down about 50%. One comes to mind, some are down 60. And some of those reasons are company specific and some are just because the tech market is selling off. Some of them, because they did really well in the pandemic, now they're selling off with all the other pandemic names that maybe didn't justify those valuations, but it's setting up for a really good opportunity. So I think tech has some of those names. I think media has some of those names. So some of the big streaming companies that did really well in the pandemic now are pulling back and they're pulling back some other media companies that have, really great assets that also have a big streaming component that i think are really attractive so without being able to go into many names it's, it's tough to answer that but there are areas of the market that i would say that i think are attractive and even some of the uh pandemic names that you know like did incredibly well and had these massive uh, valuations that are now down 75 85 90 percent. you know some of those uh, i think you can be speculative on it and there are some good uh, opportunities now in those names now that they're down so much so kind of try and cherry pick all of those different opportunities along with all of the the other things that we really like that really aren't affected by the public market securities for all of our client base
0: yeah, no, I think that's good stuff. I mean, I, I think that what's lost, because most people just track uh, the, he- the headlines on on NASDAQ or S&P or Dow, is they're like, OK, well, you know, market's now down 10 percent or in the NASDAQ's case, you know, from the peak, at least like 15 plus percent, yep, maybe 16 percent. Uh, and they don't fully realize that individual companies in those <laughs> indexes are legitimately down 50, 60, in some cases, 70 percent right. from like just near term peaks within the last two, three, four months months, you know, so there has been a tremendous amount of carnage under the surface, even though markets themselves are, you know, have been red now for, for a series of days or even a couple of weeks now.
1: And a lot of them have really great long-term potential. So there are opportunities right now in the market. I think that a lot of those also could be companies that we look back like pets.com and say, oh gosh, who would have ever bought that? Sure. I think there are some of those. So it's scary. And that's why I said, I'd be more speculative, but Companies down 84% that we think are attractive, maybe not, you know, when they were up much higher uh, earlier in the year. But now I think there are some that are going to be big winners it just,
0: it does speak a bit to who we are, and what we do. I mean, you and I have both been here for 15, almost 15, 15 plus years. Um, and we always get the questions along the way on the fad stuff, right? The stuff that is performing the best. I had a client email me at the end of the year about arc, you know, like, Hey, is arc something we should be getting invested into, you know, and now it's just getting like absolutely smashed. Uh, you know, and like these names run up and they become the talk of the town or whatever, the talk of the country club or the talk of the whatever. And everybody's like, Hey, you know, why don't we own that? It seems like it's doing really well. Uh, and it's because we're not a firm that's going to chase, into into right. crazy valuations, right? As Dave likes to say, the crazy overpriced stocks or the, the cops. So, um, and yet there's still a bunch of companies that is on our watch list, and and we're just waiting for those to come back to earth a bit to be able to to take uh you know take entry points in. And so this type of in a market as we've seen this week with our team doing uh you know quite a bit of buying already, at least a little, uh, decent amount of buying in, mm-hmm. into into the volatility is exactly the way that we
1: go about it. Absolutely. And I think we try to take a longer term uh, view of our growth names as well. I think if you're trying to focus on the best year to date returns or every quarter trying to, you know, I think you can get lost and and really follow momentum too much in the growth name. So we try to look out, you know, is this company can be a bigger part of our lives in five, seven, 10 years. And those are the companies that we try to buy. And I think there are companies that are down, like I said, over 50 percent that are the answer to that question is yes. So it presents a good opportunity in some of those names
0: last thing i'll get you out of here uh you mentioned earlier jeff's chart book right this is something of what we what we were were anticipating but for those that maybe aren't familiar with what that even means uh can you reference what you mean by jeff's chart book
1: so it's just part of our um weekly newsletter we send out one quarterly uh and i think this This one that Jeff did, uh, kind of just looking forward into 2022, presented a lot of the strengths of the market that we see, some of the the things that we're scared of or we want to avoid. Um, But it it just was a really good overview of the year. So anyone can sign up, I believe, online. And and like I said, we send out something weekly to everyone.
0: Yeah. And by Jeff, you mean uh, fellow investment committee member, Jeff Dix. And if anyone listening to this would like a copy of the chart book, we're happy to to send that out. It's basically like a PDF slideshow of sorts that has a bunch of graphs and and, uh, and text on some of the things that we're paying attention to and things that we're anticipating ahead. We also did a podcast podcast. That that many of our listeners would know with Jeff that talked about a lot of the stuff. So, anyways, nice to get you on here. Yep. Uh, incredible start to the year, and and, and in many ways, um, yep. giving us plenty of opportunity that we're that we're trying to pounce on. So, great. Thanks, thanks for having thanks, me, Jeff. Thanks for your time. Evergreen GovCal is a wealth management firm with offices in Bellevue, Washington, Portland, Oregon, and California's Bay Area. We provide investment management, tax compliance, family office, and retirement planning services. Evergreen is accepting applications for new clients who align with our firm's investment and planning approach. If you think you might be a fit with us, follow the link in the show notes to fill out our prospective client compatibility survey.